Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mitch here. We are talking the Bardowski Player of the Month. Of course, we're referring to Nick France. I will be in the ring tomorrow at Barrel as Meadville faces West Allegheny. I will be presenting Nick with his prize package from Bardowski, the PhD t-shirt, and the in-the-ring coverage. Of course, all comes with that. So if you want to be our Bardowski Player of the Month or our Brozone Goaltender of the Month, all you got to do is go out, be the best that you can be. Be the best in the month of November, and I will see you in the rink. Take care. Once again, hockey fans, it is episode number 14 of the PhD podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. Find us on Instagram at the same as well as our SoundCloud and on Facebook. BergHockey.com is where you're going to find all of the Berg hockey action that we're going to be able to bring to you. All our in-the-ring coverage, all our collegiate coverage. And we're going to get way into it. We've got a really great show today. Today we're bringing in a couple really great interviews. Of course, Andrew Wisniewski has an interview with a pair of Niagara locals. Of course, we're referring to Luke Edgerton and Eric Cooley. He's going to talk with them a little bit later. I've got a great interview with Liam Cavanaugh, one of the hosts of Never Give Up Radio, something that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, mental health in the athletic field and sports game and in general is a very big deal nowadays you don't see things all the time from people and it's something we bring up and he created a great program for this we're going to talk with Liam a little bit later I got to sit down with him after you know having to sit down with him a week ago and accidentally deleting the entire interview I actually was able to re-sit down with him because he's just a great and awesome person and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Never Give Up Radio and what it brings to the table. And I, I cannot stress enough, if you enjoy anything about sports and talking, you know, uh, and podcasts, please check out Never Give Up Radio. It's an amazing program. We've also got Matt Mamros coming on. He's going to be talking, of course, about our Headwaters segment, talking about the players who have been here, who have gone through here, and who are coming here. Um, Gary Heeman's going to be on to talk about the RMU men in their past weekend at Penn State and at home on Saturday. We're going to get started, though, um, with my coverage. Of course, was the Robert Morris women this week uh, ha hosted number 10. Uh, once again, it was number 10, and that was Colgate. Um, and they really stood their ground this weekend um, in the first game. Unfortunately, you know, they got out to a rocky, rocky, rocky start and spotted Colgate a four-goal lead early. I'm oh, sorry, late. And then in the third period, it ended up that a uh, little bit of twist of fate. They were shorthanded on the back end today, this weekend, and the uh, a shot at Emily Curlett led to a five-minute boarding major, and they were able to ring off two quick goals to bring them back within two. And then later on in the game, 
uh, knee-on-knee hit on Kirsten Welsh led to a power play late, which Maggie Lugue was able to uh, capitalize on and bring it within one, but they were unable to continue uh, that comeback and ended the game down four to three. Uh, game number two, they jumped out and they, they came out with a little bit of sense of urgency that Paul Colantino was referring to. And it just so happened that they were able to continue it. But that scoring touch that they seemed to not be able to get this season continued. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, right now, just you know, we're gonna go through this. They ended up tying that game two to two. Uh, Lauren Bailey was, of course, uh, started game number one, but Ariel Desmet came in in the end of game number one, and then Ariel got to start in game number two. Uh, played very well and earned another Rookie of the Week from the CHA um, honors. There, uh, I believe that was her first career victory. In the NCAA, uh, NCAA victory. So congratulations to Ariel. No, sorry, that was her second career victory. Um, she is two and zero currently. But uh, one of those things that I was referring to, uh, they went into a number ten. They were able to battle, and you're looking at that back and forth. And uh, these ranked teams are coming in, and they're not going to stop coming. Um, this, of course, our non-conference schedule is ridiculous this year, but they're able to continue to stay in it and play out of their minds um an o one and one weekend against colgate uh, landed them a vote in the standings so that was nice to get back into the rankings at least as a vote getter and it's showing that they are starting to get a little bit of recognition from the league from the ncaa and the the, co- the uscho and the coaches so um of course, they're right behind Mercyhurst, who had two votes this week after their series against, I believe they were up against, uh, not Colgate. They had one of those three teams. I believe it was the one we're going to be facing in a couple weeks. Uh, I'll bring that up to you in a second. I apologize. But uh, they had brought up, uh, they'd brought in the opportunity to start getting back into the limelight of the top 10. And the one thing that has been concerning me to this point, and it's a uh, concerning factor for this team, is they've got a lot of talent on the front end. And unfortunately, they're not getting a lot of offensive support at this time. The urgency is there. They're getting the shots. Like, I think they're average. I, I don't going to say they're averaging a lot, but they're, they're, they're definitely at the attempts are up in the upper 60s most of these games and they think they had 77 shot attempts against Colgate in that second game and it was it's ridiculous they're getting it but they're not getting the goals and they're not getting and eventually that's gonna they're gonna hit that and that's gonna happen I, I was looking at it and I think they've only surpassed three goals once and that was the f- goals against Mercyhurst um, they had five games or five or six games there they finished with three goals the remaining they had two they never scored one and they've, and they've been shut out twice this season um, with a team with the uh, the firepower and the talent that Robert Morris has, you have to think that they're going to turn it around here soon. And when one thinks that, it, it's tough because you you never know when these teams are going to be able to break out and things this weekend. And I'll I'll mention it because I don't know how it got missed last weekend was the. Uh, 100th point for J.C. Gabbard, and congratulations to J.C. She's a heck of a talent, and that's 
one of the things I noted on Twitter later was that she had done it in five less games than the prolific scorer, Brittany Howard. Um, and that's something you had to keep an eye on or not. I said it in her first year is that she was definitely a talent there and she's going to have it. No, the question was, can she do it without Brittany on her wing? And <laughs> so far, it, it's been an amazing run for her. She's doing a great job and that's great. Cornell was the team I was thinking of earlier. They just split. And of course, right now they are up there in the rankings. I believe they are number six right now. They'll be there over the over on Black Friday and the day after Black Friday, of course. Um, Cornell's a big, big-time team on Friday, November 23rd. It's a 3.05 start. The men play at 7.05 against Mercyhurst, and then the women have a 3.05 start on Saturday that week. But uh, you look at that, and you have to think that the scoring's going to come around. I mean, you got these Kraskowski, um, Kuhlman, who has been – Showing signs that she's starting to come alive, but she hasn't been able to break that score sheet yet. Uh, you're looking at those players, and then I, I've always liked how the the defense has been taking on this ability to learn how to play an offensive style, this uh, big two-way play that they've been making. And they're bringing in the players that can do it, uh, shoot from the point. Wazen Rice had a great game this past weekend, I thought personally. Um, especially whenever you have to look at the fact that they were only really rolling four defenders throughout the entire game. Um, and, of course, luckily you had this big three in Lequeu, Welshy, and Curlette. Uh, Wazen Rice did not look out of place at all with those four, which is a big sign. You lost Jillian Thompson. I don't know how long. Uh, I'm hearing that it's only for this past weekend. We'll find out against Minnesota, Minnesota Mankato this weekend. But... Um, it's one of those things you can look at, and it, it, it's definitely coming along. And, uh, you know, you have these shrieks and players that are still... Uh, Natalie Marcuse is a dynamic player, uh, can change a game with her by herself. You notice that with a couple of the goals she scored a couple weeks ago. And uh, Angelica Diffendahl will... We'll be back on the score sheet. It's just, You're going to have down times, and there's going to be goaltenders who get really hot and... One of those things that I've noticed at, at the games is that they've run into a lot of goaltenders who have played very hot, and you're, you're going to see players start to break out here soon. Um, one of those things that you got to think about is that it's going to happen, and you don't put up 60 to 70 shot attempts all the time and not be able to put the puck in the net, and they're going to break in, and you know, you had a really good run out of Lauren Bailey to be able to give you that undefeated streak. And, I mean, you got to consider the fact that you're still X out of X that's, you know, undefeated over the last couple games. So, um, once again, Minnesota Mankato at the Island this weekend. Minnesota State, if you want to refer to it as. Uh, 6.05 start on Friday. That really messes with me a little bit. That's a little bit. That's all right, though. We'll be good with it. And a 1.05 start on Saturday. Uh, Saturday's game will be at uh, 105, and that's a really good place to jump off and start talking about Never Give Up Radio. Uh, Liam Cavanaugh, of course, is the Director of Hockey Operations for the Robert Morris Colonial Women's Hockey Club, uh, also one of the co-hosts of Never Give Up Radio, and uh, one of the big things that's been going around, and I believe in it 100% as I am actually going back to school to get my counseling certificate, and become a mental health counselor. I haven't exactly figured out what I want to do with it. But at the same time, it, it's huge to me 
is that he wanted to create the conversation and talk about situations that are going on with people and talk about, you know, these issues that everybody's going through. You don't always see it with the athletes. And he's brought on some very, very, very prolific, very interesting individuals. He's had Taylor Crosby, of course, uh, Sidney Crosby's sister, uh, Brianne McLaughlin and Logan Biddle, uh, both of the original Robert Morris men's and women's hockey clubs. He is, he's brought his parents on, and he'll talk about that during the interview. Uh, he's got a lot going on about and trying to bring the voice back to Robert Morris and uh, of a mental health, from a mental health standpoint in all of sports, not just Robert Morris, and something that hit me really near and dear to my heart. And I'm glad I was able to get to talk to him. Unfortunately, like I said, I had accidentally deleted the interview once and never really got a chance to redo it uh, until we sat down before the women's game on Friday night. And I want to thank Liam for coming on really from the bottom of my heart and being able to sit down with me and redo it after I made the <laughs> casual mistake. I remember texting him on Wednesday when I realized I lost it and I, I felt terrible. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's Liam Cavanaugh talking about Never Give Up Radio. All right, I am here with Liam Cavanaugh, the Director of Hockey Operations for the Robert Morris Women's Team and also one of the hosts of Never Give Up Radio. Liam, how are you doing, sir? Great. It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. We had a little bit of an issue last time. We had a practice run a couple, yeah, about exactly. a week and a half it's ago. It's good to be in your company again. Yeah, it's all right. Well, sometimes some people don't agree with that, but <laughs> we'll go with it, Liam. Anyway... I uh, want to just let everybody at home know what Never Give, uh, Never Give Up Radio is and, you know, where they could find it. Yeah, Never Give Up Radio, uh, it's a platform that I developed with uh, Alton Daly. He was my uh, former captain when I was at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Um, through my own personal struggles with some mental health, uh, through anxiety and depression, uh, the two of us decided that, you know, we wanted to make a stand and really start to create a conversation about mental health within sports. And uh, the two of us figured through the foundation we were building, let's get a, uh, a podcast up and running and, and have some high-profile athletes that the two of us know, and let's just start to create a conversation about mental health. And speaking of that conversation, um, some of the guests you had in your first year of doing this, uh, you had, of course, uh, it's uh, Taylor Crosby behind the mask. You had Riley Pickard, a uh, couple other big guests. Brian McLaughlin was one of them. Um, in all of those, what was one of your favorite moments and guests that you had there? I think every show was so unique with, with different atmospheres. Um, the one, I know when we were chatting before, I was talking about having my parents. It was pretty unique to have them on there and, and kind of have the conversation with someone that you're so close with and you've never really had that conversation with. Um, but I think every, every episode kind of gave a unique perspective, whether it was a coach, a player at, a, at an elite level, or um, you know, a player itself still at the collegiate level. A little bit of a background on yourself and you know your your co-host, your co-host Albie. Yeah, the two of us. We uh, we met at the University of Massachusetts. Like I said, he was a cap. He was a two-year captain there, his junior and his senior year. Um, you know, my story kind of goes back uh, when I really kind of opened up about my severe anxiety and depression, and uh, Albie kind of became my right-hand man. It helped me through a lot of struggles. Uh, and it was it was a little bit weird because he was still one of my players at the time, and, and mm -hmm. I was a, a staff member, so it was a little different working with a player. But 
I really found that the more and more you talk about this stuff and the more you talk with other people, it becomes a conversation that's important to have, especially in the world of sports at the collegiate level. And we look at that and we don't we take that for granted. You don't always get to see, you know, what players are going through behind like behind the right. mask is what yeah. you guys refer to it as. And, you know, that's one thing people overlook and uh, I guess the main message you you guys are looking for is that there is a lot going on beyond, you know, what you can see at this level. I mean, all these athletes are having, you know, great careers, great times, but there's always more that's going on with them. Oh, absolutely. I think that's kind of one of the biggest thing that's kept me in collegiate athletics is having the ability to work with student athletes at such a developmental stage in their life. Uh, it's a pretty unique opportunity to understand what athletes are going through, especially student athletes. They've got such rigorous schedules being in class, being at the rink every day. Um, not to say that people that aren't athletes don't have those struggles mm -hmm. by any means, uh, but it's definitely a unique perspective. And now, going into season number two, uh, what is everybody should be expecting season number two? Season two is going to be exciting. Uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, we're both pretty busy. Uh, Albie's getting into medical school, and obviously we're mid-season here at Robert Morris. Mm -hmm. um, but we're definitely excited. We're shooting to launch it in a couple weeks. Um, a lot of big guests, and we're going to try to plan to implement our season finale to our guest panel discussion uh, that we're going to host in the city of Pittsburgh here in January. Um, so we're going to tie that together with a couple of high profile athletes as well and hopefully really create a uh, great event there. That should be a fun time. Now you were mentioning last time you're trying to tie it together with a, a game here at Robert mm -hmm. Morris. Uh, those details are to come. but Yeah, no, that'll be exciting. We're going to have RIT in town and uh, nothing's been published yet per se. Uh, but we are going to have a mental health awareness game against RIT on the 25th of January. And the 24th, we're actually going to have a uh, formal panel discussion that's going to be open to the public. So that should be great. All right. Thank you, Liam, for coming on. I appreciate it. If there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Like we, we discussed last time, I didn't exactly get to say it yet, but I have decided I'm going back to school, try to pursue my certification as a mental health counselor. So That's fantastic. Congratulations. Things, so. And uh, that's big to me. So if there's anything that we can do or I can do myself, uh, let me know if there's anything. All right. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much. Thank Once again, that is NGU Radio on all platforms. I want to thank Liam Cavanaugh for coming on. I, I extremely appreciate it. I love it. I'm glad that I was able to get this interview in and talk to him about it because it, it's just one of those things that you don't ever really hear about until after it's too late. And uh, it's one of those details that we need to start talking about. And personally, I do believe that. And if I didn't believe it so much, I wouldn't be dropping so much money to be able to go <laughs> and uh, help people, and that's what I want to do. Um, so I, I thank Liam once again. With that, we're going to switch it up, and we're going to flip to the men's side. We're going to be talking with Gary Heeman about the weekend that was with the Robert Morris men against Penn State. The uh, men, of course, uh, number eight Penn State. They played in Penn State on Saturday. And then played, I'm sorry, they played in Penn State on Friday, and then they came home and played Penn State on Saturday. And I'll tell you what, that game on Saturday, that crowd was amazing. What a time everybody had, regardless of the score, because that game was wow. Back and forth, both teams, crowds were in it. The Colonial Crazies brought it this weekend. Uh, of course, Mitch's Challenge brings you a student section. Penn State brought some students. The Colonial Crazies on the opposite side played very, very much a role, and it was a very fun time for everybody. And it's one of those games where you look at it, and even the final score on Saturday, of course, was 11-6 to in favor of the number 8 Penn State Nittany Lions. 
but you have to be kind of excited about the way that the Robert Morris Colonials play in a way that is indicative to a team that gave up 11 goals or 18 goals over a two-game set as they lost 7-2 to at Penn State. Uh, they had a 2-1 lead through that game and unfortunately did not, weren't able to hold on to it. Penn State just was an overtake, you know, overcame them. And that's one of those learning curves that you look at. And I'm going to talk with Gary Heeman about that in a couple minutes when we recap it. Uh, but that's one of those things you get to look at. And in fact, a couple minutes, let's talk to Gary Heeman right now. All right, we are here with Gary Heeman. Of course, Gary Heeman, uh, when the USCHO writers and our men's writer. Uh, Gary, you hit any interesting cars this weekend? Um, you know, I uh, did not hit any cars. I was hit by a car, though. So, yeah, that was that, that kind of did happen, unfortunately, uh, last Thursday before the, the big weekend series at Penn State. But, um, we, we won't go into any details, but no, uh, no, no, no. somebody that we kind of cover kind of uh, took out the rear end of Gary's car this weekend. I'm not going to go into any details. I'm not going to place blame on anybody. I'm not going to no. say that they should have, uh, you know, maybe committed a little closer to home or anything, but uh, somebody, uh, <laughs> no, there was an incident this weekend. And Gary, are you okay? I'm okay. About it. All right, we have you on. We now officially have you on record, so now we can't have to worry about any legal issues. All right, Gary. Um, speaking of getting... Uh, blindsided, Robert Morris, Penn State this past weekend, uh, in State College, seven two, in at the Island Sports Center. It was eleven to six. Gary, what were your takeaways from this past weekend? Um, well, you know what, I was not in attendance at um at Hockey Valley on Friday night, but by all accounts, that score was not indicative of how um of how the the game bore out. Um, you know, and you can almost say a similar thing Saturday too. Obviously, I mean, if you look at the stats, you know, right there, um, you know, matching almost stride for stride with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back and check the um, the stat line for Friday per se, but I think they may even been like right there in shots, if not very close to each other. Um, and Penn State shoots a lot and they score a lot. Um, so this was going to be a, a weekend test of the the defensive goaltending. Um, where to start? Let's start with uh, let's start with the good news first, and that is that not necessarily on Friday, but Saturday, the offense finally that we've been expecting to see and progress throughout this season really turned in one of its you know best performances of the season, a season high six goals. Um, you know, with um, you know, some shorthanded um off- offensive chances and you know generated and created, and they cashed in. Um, you know, it had some great things about that game. You know, from our you know perspective we're watching the colonials trying to break out with more offense and kind of i don't want to say unconstipated a little bit but, you know I, I'm let loose. Up, yeah i'm looking up the stats now the shots on friday yes 40 to 39 yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, this was a game that yeah it, it was a game the colonials were in i mean the score just doesn't always indicate it mm-hmm. um and i think penn state had probably five or six more shots on saturday <laughs> Than the mm-hmm. Colonials did, but the good news is okay. So we're start, we're we're we've been generating some chances here, and in a group going forward, and they're starting to put them in. Um, mm-hmm. Three of those came off the stick at Alex Tonge, who had a who had a hat trick. Would have rather had the the win, I'm sure. Um, seemed that way in post game. Who could blame him? So it wasn't like mm-hmm. a great situation to jump up and down. And, yeah, I got a hat trick. It was kind of a subdued um, press conference there. But at the same time, 
you know, it's good to see those things. The um, the shorthanded two on one between Luke Lynch and Don early on the game, mm-hmm. you know, that that tied at one to one was um, you know, we were looking for more of those goals you know, all season long. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see those. Um, power play was good. Um, you know, converted some chances. I like that part of their game. Okay, defensively speaking, it didn't go that way. It didn't go that way. Of course, anytime you give up eleven goals, there's uh, there's a lot of bells going off and a lot of things to pay mm-hmm. attention to. Um, you know, you, you look at first of all goaltending. Were, the, were there some goals this weekend? Eighteen goals in two games. I mean, you can't turn a blind eye to it. Eighteen goals in two games. The coaches just have to sit down and break down the film and see what happened. I'm not going to lie. There are probably you know, some goals in there that both Francis Murat and Reed would like to have back. I'm in both games this weekend, I believe. And, you know, they both share in some of that too. And you know what? Um, having no friend, I have not had a chance to, to talk to Mr. Reed so far this year, but um, in my years of dealing with Francis Murat, he'll be the first one to, you know, step up and say, you know what? I, you know, I, I have to eat some of that. Some, some of there's plays in there I needed to make. Francis has um, always been a straightforward guy when it comes to that type yeah. of stuff. And yeah, definitely one of those. Uh, he would be openly about the, you know, that that's on me. So yeah, yeah. Frankie's a stand-up guy. And you know what? When it goes well for him the other way, and he gets a shutout, he's the first to say it was easy because of you know, the job in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, the, and the, the things that they did, blocking shots and clearing out space. Yeah. Um. So you know, if Frank is a stand-up guy. It was not his weekend. It's just got to move forward and get better. Also, as a coach, you can't just say, well, look, you know, no worries. It was all, you know, goalie's glove didn't work. You know, we'll get better. In every one of those goals, there is a play that could have been made to prevent it. Um, so the, the team shares in that, too. And I think the, the senior leadership of this hockey team looks themselves in the mirror and goes, there, there's things I could have done better in those 11 goals against. There's a play I could have made. There's a puck we could have kept in, you know, their end for a little while longer. And, you know, there's a there's a, you know, a puck I could have got out of my own end. Mm-hmm. There's a responsibility or a coverage assignment that I needed to make. Um, there's a there's a chance in there I could have stepped up and made a play, and that puck's in, in neutralized. We're not even talking about a goal. So it's just – and I, I have a good inkling, you know, this week that that's what's been going on in the Colonials camp, breaking down exactly, you know, what mistakes were where and just correcting them. You can't go back and erase it. It happened. It's a non-conference weekend. You'll find some things out about some players, and, and you're going to move forward. And that's what the Colonials are going to do. I mean, it, it it sucked to lose it in front of a, a big you know crowd on hand. What a great atmosphere, though. That was a really good atmosphere, um, you know, an enjoyable game to be at. But you know what? It's you know, you're still writing, you know, the story of your season, and that's you know a chapter that is over with for the Colonials, and they go forward. Okay, so what do they take away from this weekend? What what I, one thing? Right. I think what the Colonials probably take away from this week is we have to manage the game situation and play to that situation. And I think that's probably been discussed and is probably still being discussed this week. You know, there were times if the, the and you go back and, and review it in your mind or even watch on, on tape. Mm-hmm. There are moments there in the second period when this is still a game. And trust me, Saturday night's game was a dog fight for 30 minutes. This was a battle of schools that were going to, there are two teams that Light it up and go back and forth to take chances. Um, you know, you look at where the score was in relation to how you needed to play. And right, I can tell you off the bat right there, that's a concern that probably should be addressed going forward and it will be addressed going forward. Is that if the Colonials are plus one on the scoreboard, there's a specific way that they want to play. 
and that is that they're looking for goals, but they're not going to sacrifice not to get them per se. They're going to focus on getting the puck, you know, puck in, puck out in their own end, and possession time, and not taking stupid penalties. In the meantime, that's how you, you know, control a four-three game or a three-two game or a plus one. If you're, you know, level, you're going to do a lot of the same, and you know, manage the back too. I mean, you know, manage the back end from his perspective of we've got to make sure that we're doing the simple things right, getting pucks out, blocking shots when they do happen, and you know, being physical without going over the line and taking bad penalties. I think they just need to get to a point where everybody, all 20 sweaters on the bench, understand one thing, how we play in what game situation. And it's important if they're going anywhere when we get back to conference play, not this weekend, but the following weekend versus Mercyhurst. It's going to be very important that you play the situation of the game and learn when you can take chances or take more chances to get more offense. Ideally, what you want in those situations is to keep that lead against Penn State make them feel pressure at some point that they have to score. And you know that the it's going to open up for you to have chances, but a fifth ball can, that's how you have to play. You know, you want, you want to instill your will having a lead, you know, in any game, in the second period, you it gives you an opportunity to instill your will play the way you want to play. And then having them take the chances later on in the game. And I think that's just something that they need a place they need to get to as season progresses. All right, so bye week this week. What do you got on the table for you? For me, what am I got on the table this week? Uh, I'm going to watch some of the college hockey games because uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're <laughs> always watching college hockey. So I'll check out a few games there. Um, not really doing anything with USCHO this weekend. In the second half, there may be some more national games of the week. Mm-hmm. Some of them may even, you know, some of them may even have Penn State in the mix. So I might have to. Mm-hmm. You know, get to go talk to Nikita again. That's one thing we have to talk about. Uh, Nikita Pavlchev, um, wow, uh, Penguins draft pick. Uh, it was very, very, um, very cordial in post-game press conference. Very grateful for the opportunity to be playing college hockey at Penn State and is making the most of that opportunity. I got to give a heads up to him. He was a, he was something to be reckoned with all weekend long. And um, if, if his career keeps going in the same direction it's going, he stands a chance. Um, you know, we don't see... NHL level talent always come through, you know, Colonial's arena mm-hmm. on a nightly basis. But you may be looking at a guy that could get into a position where he's got a, a sweater, you know, in a regular season game um, or a season or part of a season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That would not surprise me. That's going to be yes. an interesting one. Now, uh, the big question that we have, we hit the Action Track podcast in March. How are we going to handle Big E? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Penn State fan. I'll tell you this much. I, you know, he, he said he had a blast, and uh-huh. you know, some testing we did after the game. He, he thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, the look on his face tells me he enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, he wasn't too bad to deal with. Uh, we talked after the game. I said, you know, we got we're we're working some freshmen in the lineup. You know, it was a pretty good game for half a game. You know, and you know, he it was the first actually believe it or not to come out and say, yeah, I can see the pieces. You know, come together. So you know, all right. I mean, so he was he was he was classy and winning. So you know, he's not gonna we're not gonna go back and beat him up too much. He's not gonna beat us up too much. He uh, he was so class as you'd expect E to be. You know, if you know him really well. So now, having said that, if we'd have talked a bunch of junk before the game, you know, got swatted. It would have been, you know. He's not going to take it lightly. All right. Yeah, a dreadful scene in March. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Gary, for coming on. I'll talk to you again in a week. We're going to preview the home, another home and home, Mercyhurst, of course, the 79 series. 
Uh, we'll discuss oh, that yeah. next week, next Wednesday. All right. Oh, well, All right. maybe it'll be a little bit sooner. I'm not sure what if I'm going to be ready to record the day before Thanksgiving. We might try to make this one on Sunday. I haven't decided yet. All right, that Gary. Good. Take care, sir. Uh, take care. Thank you very much, Wes. All right, we're going to jump off from there, and we're going to talk to Matt Mamros. We're going to be talking to our headwaters, players who have come through here, players who are coming through here, are going to be coming through here, and who are here now. Uh, we're going to get Matt on the line. Hold on one second. Back here with Matt Mamros. Matt, of course, you can find him on Twitter at Matt13Mamros. And anywhere where they're giving away or trying to bid on a jersey, um, Matt, You've got a very interesting uh, tie-in to today's uh, theme for the the headwaters. What do you got for us today? Uh, absolutely, Mitch. Today we have, uh, for the first time ever, a Pittsburgh Hockey Digest in memoriam. Oh. Technology edition. Oh, no. How is this tying so, into the uh, rest of my show? Uh, absolutely. So we all we all know our good friend Liam Cavanaugh, oh, uh, Never Give Up Radio, and uh, director of Army Women's Hockey Operations. For good, uh, good personal friend. We uh, 14 days ago now witnessed a tragedy, and of the death of Liam's iPhone. Oh jeez. Oh and, no. Uh, yeah, no. It's uh, you've seen pictures. It's pretty bad. Yeah, this thing is. This thing was martyred. Not by not by Liam himself, but by some friendly, some uh, three friendly army fire. Uh, let me let me guess. Fire. Let me guess. One of them had to be Lauren Bailey. Without a doubt. Oh, jeez. Uh, one, one of them was definitely Lauren Bailey, and her. Uh, you can tell she's not being such a a great influence here on uh, Bali and Ariel Desmet. Oh no. But uh. I happened to be uh, browsing the interwebs, and I found the GoFundMe page for Liam Cameron. <laughs> so, uh, if you, uh, for those of you interested that want to contribute to the cause, it is GoFundMe.com backslash Liam's hyphen iPhone. No, uh, no oh. apostrophes, just Liam's hyphen iPhone. I'm going to read a, uh, a segment from the the GoFundMe page. I, I got it. After a tragic accident. This past Thursday, Director of Women's Hockey Operations, Liam Cavanaugh, had his iPhone completely and utterly destroyed by Robert Morris University's three goaltenders with zero remorse. At the time, there were seven, several dropped jaws and motionless faces. After reviewing the tapes and seeing the world's worst iPhone breakage, we ask you to please kindly donate anything you can to help us reconnect Liam with the very few friends he has. How do, how do you call into the show without an iPhone? Anyway. Um, we've been become sincerely <laughs> apologetic for the harsh actions of slamming in his iPhone in the penalty box door, not once, not twice, but three times. I, I, I'm just going to say it. One another. Let's take care of Liam. I, I just got to say it. Uh, I mean, this is going to go with the theme. Goalies are weird, man. Goalies are weird. <laughs> Liam, a goalie yeah. himself, myself, a goalie, a uh, former goalie, and... Goalies are weird, man. That that that's great. That is that is good stuff. All right, let's get into stuff that <laughs> the fluff is done. Oh, let's they, have they, some uh, fun. They took turns the penalty box because this this thing looks like uh oh, it's been in a corner. All right, let's wow. uh all right. Let let's get to the stuff that uh that means something. Please help Liam, but we got to get Headwaters to move this along. All right, we got so what I do we got going with, on? Uh, date of birth. 
2016, date of death, November 2nd, 2018, Liam's iPhone. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, yeah, let's, let's definitely get into uh, some headwaters here. Let's go to Providence College, uh, where, where our buddy Jack Dugan's at. He actually, um, Providence College was number three heading into the weekend, number three, number four. And uh, he had an assist in a series of two to three losses against UMass. And UMass is not ranked in the top five, I'm pretty sure. They were number nine at the time. So definitely some upsets in Providence, but that's, mm-hmm. that's hockey East for you. That whole thing's just a giant dog pile for first place till the end. All right. Um, heading down to Arizona State, where Austin Lemieux netted two assists this weekend in Arizona's win over ranked Michigan State University. Arizona State now ranked for the first time in their school's history. They're number 18. And uh, let's go up to Mercyhurst. Not the men's team, even though my doppelganger, Steve Erpley, plays for the uh, the Mercyhurst Lakers. If you ever get a chance, look it up. It is oh, he'll, they'll be in town next weekend, so um, over Thanksgiving we weekend. We're going to see if we can do that. To get a uh, one-on-one with uh, Steve Erpley. Oh, jeez. Um, yes, Mary, Mary Catherine Galamis. Yeah, Galamis, I, I that. Yeah. Galamis, okay. Yeah. I was going to say it. I, I butchered it the first time that I did it, and I actually realized that they do this nice little thing where they give us a pronunciation guide, and I just completely forgot about that fact. So, I'm actually... Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's from Pennsylvania, not The pronunciation recent, guide? But, uh, it's actually Mercyhurst from when I was up there. It is. Oh, okay. It is Galamis. Galamis. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll uh, get there. It might not. It might not be this week. It might not be next week. We'll get there. It will be the week after. We're gonna talk about her a lot. We're fine with it. All right. That's a good thing. Yeah. Fi- finally, in the lineup, and netted her first goal and her first assist this weekend against ranked Cornell. You'll see them at the Island Sports Center. Uh, I believe that's the weekend of the twenty third, twenty fourth. Is when Cornell comes down here, but Mercer has tied them, um, tied them one night. Or no, they tied them twice this week. I'm looking yes, at it right now. Yes, there's two ties. But she had a, a zero zero tie and a four four tie. Um, but she noted the game the game winning goal that ended up being just the game tying goal, unfortunately. And she noted her first assist mm-hmm. in a four to four tie against Cornell. Um, what a what an interesting event happening up in. Uh, was that Mercyhurst Ice Center? Mm-hmm. Is that what they call it? Yes, Mercyhurst Ice Center. Name, that right? It's all right. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Erie and Shorts are into there. That that is a mm-hmm. rank that is very near and dear to my heart. Cornell um, dropped up. Cornell, of course, jumped from seventh to sixth this week in the rankings. Uh, they'll be here in two weeks. Really, they went up after that. They went up after huh. two ties, and uh, Mercyhurst gained a, gained two votes in the rankings. So, yeah. So I know Robert Morris has one, but we'll get to them. Later. Mm-hmm. Sure. Go ahead. So let's uh, head overseas to Switzerland and talk about Cody Wider, who uh, only one game played since between the time we last met here. But mm-hmm. in 16 games played, he added another goal, bringing his total to 12 with nine assists and 21 total points. Still seventh in the scoring race. And uh, I look for that to be a tight one over there. And Tyson Wilson in France netted his fifth assist on the season. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's talk Robert Morris women's hockey after a wild weekend at the island that led to a, a three-goal surge just to lose by one mm-hmm. on Friday in an event of crazy – game of crazy events, not an event of yeah. crazy games. 
you could have referred. Yeah, you could have referred to it as that. That uh, that uh, that Friday game was definitely an event. That was uh, something that I wasn't prepared for or didn't see coming. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, but but uh, and then we had a tie on Saturday mm-hmm. before the men's. Uh, I got demolished by Penn State, mm-hmm. but that's that's for another day. But J.C. Gebert is uh, third in the nation in scoring, tied second in goals with nine, tied fourth in assists with ten, and she's third overall in points, and she's second in game-winning goals and third in power play goals. So that's she's amazing because that, that's what I was referring to earlier is that she's putting these numbers out like my question and I'll, I'll say it and I said it last year was is she going to be able to put these numbers up without Brittany Howard and she's still doing it and I mean it's nothing it's not a knock on JC at all because she is a, a, a tremendous talent she is a great player um but, you know, you have to have that in the back of your head going out of last year after two years with Brittany putting up the numbers that she did. Can she do it with a, uh, you know, without somebody like Brittany Howard on the wing or, sorry, at her center? And she's showing that she can handle it. She can she can definitely play at a high level Absolutely. without Absolutely, and they, they moved her around a little bit. She's been playing the PK on defense at some point, unfortunately, uh, G and crash. Hopefully, you get well soon because they definitely need to bring you back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they had her doing a lot of different stuff, and, it, and with Lexi and and Amber, of course, her head down Dame uh, Hound's teammate. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're working well together. They'll they'll find something that works here. Oh yeah. Um, let's go to the uh, the NAHL up in Johnstown. Mm-hmm. Where the the legend of Cam Haybear continues to grow now with 21 games played on the year, nine goals, 16 assists, Jeez. 25 total points. He um, and I, I forgot to check on the the dude from Sweden that plays for Johnstown. I don't know if he's still leading the NHL in scoring. Soleski, Sammy Soleski, Soleski, Sam Soleski. Yeah. Yes, uh, I believe I he still check is. Check on him this week, but we'll we'll uh, we'll get him. We'll ca- we'll catch up with him next mm-hmm. week, and uh, of course, Raymond Kramer. The other Robert Morris came in up there and netted his second he, assist for his team. He, he actually signed being... his letter of intent today, too. Oh, okay. Officially signed Very his letter cool. of intent today. So Johnstown tweeted it out. I think Johnstown's going to get a I – mean, uh, the Colonials are going to get a great player out of that. Um, Absolutely. But, hometown hero as well. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many Pittsburgh kids are going to play on that it was floor a next year. Sarah Catholic. Uh, he played for the Eagles at Sarah Catholic with the uh, Pens Elite. So it's good to see him coming yes. along. This is this is Berg hockey in the flesh. Yeah, right that's here, what I said. He is he is Berg hockey incarnate. Johnstown Pens yes. Elite going to Youngstown. Back in Johnstown, unfortunately, going to Robert Morris. If he ends up playing for the Nailers or the Penguins, I will be. Basically, I, I don't know what I can do with my life at that point because that that's just an amazing story. Anyway, that would, what do that we would got? Be so wild. Uh, Jeff Jones, former former line mate with Cody Wido in mm-hmm. 2013, 14, Robert Morris alum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the SPHL and he just netted his sixth point of the year. He got mm-hmm. uh, one goal and four assists on the year for the Yard Dogs. And uh, in the ECHL, Brady Ferguson. Uh, see here he's playing for first place newfoundland with 16 games nine goals and 11 assists for 20 total points mm-hmm. it's actually second in the echl in scoring so i mean it 
if he doesn't ever take that lead very quickly here, I would be very surprised. And uh, we had some former Robert Morris colonial mates headed off in Wheeling this weekend with between Zach Lynch and Daniel Levins. Levins, of course, playing for Toledo, the walleye. Uh, Zach Lynch had a three-assist weekend with two of them against the Swamp Rabbits and then assisted on the, the game tying goal in Wheeling against Daniel Levins. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel Levins actually had the assist on the game-winning goal against the Nailers, uh, unfortunately, at Break City in Wheeling this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about something crazy that happened in Wilkes-Barre today with uh, Tristan Jari scoring, becoming the first goalie in the 20-year franchise of Wilkes-Barre, which we'll keep up with because, you know, for the most part, I, for I would think that that would be the first goalie in the entire Penguins organization to do so, if I could remember correctly. I don't think anybody's done it at the NHL level. I wanted to do it was. I, I don't think that it anybody might. in the NHL did it. I don't know. It's going to be something to Google up. You can you can tweet us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest if you find the trivia answer. You get like a cookie or something. <laughs> we'll and, call uh, it a cookie. We'll, we'll call it a cookie. You get the okay. cookie emoji. All right. How's that? How uh, that works. Oh, exactly. Digital digital cookies are just mm-hmm. as good as the right things. You don't get the calories. No, they're not. Don't ever say that. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, well, we, we resend the previous statement. Um. And in the, the USHL, Connor McEachern, the Lone Colonial left in Youngstown. He's up to six goals and seven assists on the year in 14 games played. So mm-hmm. definitely tearing it up in, in Youngstown. Unfortunately, the Toronto Furies did not play at all this week. But Elijah Millen Price is in China for for the for the three for this week for a three game series. So it, it, there is a chance she's the primary backup over there. So there is the chance. She could make her debut in China, which I told her she's not allowed to because I didn't get to see it. But uh, very cool that, that she's over there and seems to be enjoying her time. And they get treated like celebrities over there. So good, good for them. Good for them. All right, Matt, thank you again for joining us this week. Uh, we will talk to you next Wednesday. How's that sound? Oh, absolutely. Oh, and, uh, there's one thing I did want to talk about. IPhone by Wednesday. Oh, we need to get Liam that new iPhone. Yeah, I got one other thing I want to talk about. Doro, Spencer Dorowitz throwing down last week against against the Nailers. Oh, that's right. You know what? I had it written down too, but I totally botched it. Yeah, the, the Spencer Dorowitz fight. It is on Twitter. It's been retweeted by myself, and I'm sure. Oh, me too. Or on Twitter, but uh, Spencer Dorowitz getting getting tough in the the, uh, the dirty areas there and throwing some heat. It's good to see. Good to see. All right, Matt, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll talk to you next week, sir. Absolutely, and I'm sure uh, men, men are on a bye this week, so we're going to have to wait until next week, but i got a special jersey for you. All right. Take care. Take care as well. So that was Matt Mamros. You can find him on Twitter at Matt13Mamros. We're going to bring in his best buddy, Andrew Wisniewski. He's got an interview with, of course, we referred to it earlier, Luke Edgerton and... Eric Cooley of West Mifflin. Luke Edgerton, of course, was of Wheeling Catholic and Wheeling. So we got both were Penn's elite. They both were champions it, on that 2017 squad that won the national championship for the Penn's elite. Uh, without further ado, Andrew Wisniewski coming back with his interview segment for the podcast.
Um, so I'm joined here today with by Eric Cooley and Luke Edgerton, two uh, people who grew up in the Pittsburgh area and now play Division One hockey at Niagara. And they both played in Pittsburgh last weekend versus RMU. So, Luke, Eric, how's it going? Good. I'm pretty good. How are you? Great, thanks. Um, so, first off, can you just each give a little brief overview? So, your name, uh, where you're from, and some of the Pittsburgh-based teams you might have played on growing up? Uh, yeah, I'm from West Mifflin. Um, it's about a half hour from RMU. So, um, played for the, the Shaw Panthers and uh, the Hornets, and then the Pens um now. And uh, when they first started, we were playing at RMU. So, that was our home rink and uh, the midfield. Um, I'll let Luke talk about his kind of past. Uh, yeah, I mean, I live like 45 minutes from Pittsburgh in uh, Wheeling. Um, the only team I ever played for in Pittsburgh was uh, Penn's Elite when I played with Cools, and we uh, we won a national championship together. Nice. All right, and uh, what would you guys say are your playing styles, and are there any players you sort of try to emulate in your game? Uh, yeah, I think my biggest asset is my skating. Um bit of a playmaker, I like to pass the puck and uh, use my uh, speed to create space for my teammates. And um, I like watching guys like Matt Barzell, Nathan McKinnon, like right-handed shots that can really move. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, I think um, my skating is one of my better assets as well. Um, definitely a pass-first kind of guy. Um, try to keep up with Eric Cooley quite a bit, <laughs> but... Uh, no, I think we uh, we kind of follow the same guys in the NHL. I like to watch McKinnon and uh, Barzell myself. So Okay. And uh, if any, what's your favorite Pittsburgh area rink that you've played in? Uh, there's a lot of good ones. I think uh, just spending most of my time in RMU, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, a lot of good memories. And um, ultimately, the, well, obviously the new UPMC rink is uh, something special. But... Um, a lot of good memories in the RMU rink, and uh, it was a pretty cool experience coming back and um, playing a college game. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think definitely at UPMC. I mean, their facility is second to none with everything they have to offer up there. So I think that's definitely the most uh, most fun I had playing was up there. Okay. Um, and is there anyone that stands out as a, like a major influence or mentor in your career to this point? I've had a lot of great coaches, um, and, uh, you know, I kind of started playing hockey. Both my uncles played uh, college hockey at a high level, and um, so being in a hockey family, I had the skates on pretty early, and um, always wanted to strive to uh, what what they did and follow in their footsteps, so um, big hockey family, and it's always uh, kind of been everything uh, I ever knew, so, um, yeah, it's, but there's been a lot of good coaches and teammates along the way that have... Uh, Definitely medical experience. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'd say my dad. I mean, he played for played 18 years pro, and growing up in Europe, following him around, watching him, I think I always wanted to do what he did and uh, try and become. But um, obviously, he was a pretty good player, so uh, I got a lot to live up to when it comes to that aspect. Definitely. Um, so now we'll sort of get a little more into the modern day. Um, so you, you both briefly touched on it, but what was the experience like last weekend playing close to home? I'm sure you had some family and friends in the rink. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, we both live pretty close. We're family. Uh, can make the trip up here every now and then. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's really cool, you know, being, like I said, playing a college game and, uh, the rink you grew up playing in and, 
having uh, friends and family and stuff like that come to support you. So uh, it's definitely a special moment and uh, you know, something we always look forward to when we see it on the schedule. No, I was telling uh, telling Cools that before the games that me and him would have most of the people in the stands there, um, <laughs> since it's not a far trip. But uh, definitely something we'll probably remember for a long time. Uh, pretty special experience. Yeah. So, Eric, uh, you scored your first goal of the season Saturday night in the victory for your team. So, um, you know, was it more special scoring a goal in a situation like that? And how important was it to help your team get that victory? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I'm more of a pass-first guy, so uh, to get the monkey off the back there is pretty nice, and uh, especially with your family and stuff in attendance is uh, even more special. But, yeah, I think me and Luke both, you know, no matter what, where the game is, where we're playing, you know, we're just trying to use our assets and help our team win the best of our ability. But like you said, it's definitely a little more special when, uh, you know, you have family and friends in the, the building to cheer you on. Definitely. Um, and Eric, you know, you're, obviously you're now a sophomore. You had a great freshman year of 20 points. What do you think allowed you to be successful in college right away? Uh, you know, I come in and we have three great coaches. Um, and uh, also that and my teammates and uh, great linemates, Darian Plouffe, who signed an AHL deal, uh, senior great player, and then Justin Kendall. Um, we came in together, roomed, and had a lot of chemistry and uh you know, the culture around here is really something special, and uh, you know you grow as a person, a player on the ice, and um, you know when you're when you're happy off the ice, it translates on the ice, and um, it's just been a great experience here at Niagara, and uh, I contribute a lot of my success to that. So it's been nothing but great, and um, developing pretty well. Yeah, it's great. And Luke, uh, you know this is your first year of college hockey, so. What are some of the major differences you've noticed between juniors and college, and how has the transition been going for you so far? Uh, well, the main part is the school part so far, but uh, <laughs> other than that, just just the speed, uh, getting used to it, and trying to make plays quicker, find guys quicker, get rid of the puck faster, and um, just producing points is obviously harder at the next level. So, getting getting adjusted to that has been a been a different step for me this year, but. Um, as the season goes on, I think it'll get get better. So definitely. Um, so Eric, your younger brother Riley's about two years behind you, um, and he actually was on this podcast earlier earlier this season. So you might be the first <laughs> brother duo that we've had. Um, so uh, so what's it like growing up with a brother pretty close to you in age that also plays hockey, and how do you do you two sort of push each other as you advance? Yeah, it's 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 really fun. I mean, uh, you know, we have a lot of memories, and uh, it gets pretty heated at times, but uh, it, it makes us better. We always, my dad always made a rink in the winter, and um, you know, my other brothers, my third brother is actually not that far behind either. He's fourteen, and um, they're both doing really well. We kind of feed off each other and uh, learn from each other, and um, you know, being the oldest, I uh, don't like to let them win, so I get on them pretty good. But uh, I like to think it makes them better, and. Um, they're both doing pretty well, so definitely a lot of memories, and it's uh, nice whenever we can. We're on our own different paths right now, so we don't get a lot of that time anymore, but um, whenever we come home in the winters and stuff, it's uh, definitely a fun time, and uh, Riley's doing great, and my other brother <laughs> might be doing a little better than both of us. He committed another day in the past week, and he's 14 years old, so um, you know, definitely fun to be in that hockey family, and you know, that's all we ever know, so... Uh, good time. Awesome. Yeah, I was curious when I saw you know that he committed if he was related as well. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, uh, and Luke, you also have some younger siblings that are close to an age that played hockey, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I can tell, you guys all played for Wheeling Catholic one year in 2015-16. So what was that experience like? Uh, Yeah, we uh, played together in Europe when we were really young, but uh, to get the chance to be able to play on the same team, even though it wasn't probably the most competitive hockey, it was uh, definitely special, especially being at home and uh, having our family there to watch us all year was uh, definitely a good memory. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you sort of mentioned it earlier with your dad. You know, he had a huge pro career, um, passed through Wheeling during that, and spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, so, what do you remember about Europe? And you know, how long were you there growing up? And how do you think that he and growing up there has helped you as a player? Um, I think. Uh... Growing up, I lived there till I was twelve, so okay. I spent a lot of time over there, and obviously picked up uh, picked up German, so I can speak German pretty well. Um, but definitely, that's probably where I learned most of my hockey. Um, just watched my dad going every game, following him around, learning from him. Uh, definitely helped me a lot, and I still still use some of the things that he used to do when he was playing in my game today. Okay, um, and. Eric, you know, you mentioned some of your time with Penn's Elite. Um, I actually early this, earlier this year talked to Connor Ford, um, and he says oh, yeah. he, he remembers playing with you, uh, Chad Veltry, who's coming to Niagara next year, uh, Brennan right. Walkham, who's at Bentley now, and Aiden Beck, who's at RMU. And he remembers that all you yeah. guys were on the same team, at least for some point of, he believes, your Bantam year. Um, so yeah. do you remember playing with those guys? And, you know, what do you think it says that all those guys on the same Penn's elite team are now playing or going to play D1 hockey. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's, I mean, Connor, he's at uh, Bowling Green, who obviously has a really good team this year. They're doing very well. and um, He's having a great season himself. And then, like you said, all the other guys that I played at some point are, um, you know, sprinkled uh, all over our division. And um, it's, you know, it's funny you play with them uh, one year and your buddies, and then you're, you're battling against them a year or two later. So, uh, it seems like everyone we play uh, is starting to have a Pittsburgh guy on the team. And um, like you said, Beltry will be a great addition to our team next year. And it's uh, definitely fun battling against friends that you played with in the past. Yeah, and then, you know, on, on the other side of it, does it help? You know, you mentioned you guys played together at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, does it help, you know, you guys having some familiarity already? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, uh, you know, I played, I had the opportunity to play with Luke and, and Chad and uh, we, we had a special team you know, winning a national championship with the Pens and um, you know it's definitely cool uh, playing with guys before I mean and then Luke I even played a year juniors with him before this so um, you know having those friendships and uh, playing with guys is uh, definitely something um, that you look forward to and they come in and carry on and then uh, you know spending those years in college together. Definitely and uh, you know your guys head coach uh, Jason Lammers he's from Pittsburgh as well um, you know, does it, does it help at all with the coach if you have something like that in your personal lives to sort of connect with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, Luke can contest it too uh, with, uh, with Ma- uh, Matt Nicholson being our coach in Amarillo. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we joked uh, on our visit, you know, uh, you know, he would come to the locker room if I ended up here and, you know, talking about the Penguins or the Steelers and, um, you know, having that comfortability factor where you come in and, you know, you can, you can talk to someone you have that uh, common ground is, definitely something that helps and like I said earlier on it obviously uh translates on the ice and you're comfortable you can be confident and um you know you can go to people whenever if you need the help 
Yeah, and, and Luke, uh, you know, Matt Nicholson coached at RMU for a little while before he went to Amarillo. Um, so, you know, how have you enjoyed getting to play for him the past few years? Uh, I mean, he was one of the main reasons I went to Amarillo. And uh, when it's funny, actually, when me and Cools were playing in Pittsburgh, we always talked about playing college hockey together. And um, I ended up signing in Amarillo, and then he signed. And then, obviously, he came to Niagara a year before I did. And having uh, having known that he was here made it a lot easier for me to, dis- to uh, decide to come here, other than the coaching staff, who I'm obviously pretty familiar with, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for both of you, what do you think is your greatest hockey memory to this point in your life? Um, <laughs> we might have the same one here, yeah. but, uh, you know, like I said, uh, playing with the U18 Friends League team and, um, you know, we, were, we knew we were a good team and a lot of great guys on the team that, you know, I think we still both communicate a lot with still today, but, um, winning that national championship and, um, you know, we didn't even win our district and, uh, going in and, um, kind of being an underdog and then, uh, you know, beating some big name teams and, going on to win was something special that uh, I'll always remember, and, you know, I can imagine it's the same for Luke, but... Yeah, it's the same for me. Just winning that national championship when we weren't even supposed to be there is uh, something pretty amazing. Um, no one really thought we would do well going in there, and then we ended up beating some of the top five teams in the country to win it all, so... Nice, and uh, where was it that year, and do you remember who you beat in the finals? Yeah, we, we played uh, Culver, who actually won our district, but uh, it was in San Jose, California, and it, it was pretty funny because, uh, you know, we beat them in San Jose, and then the Pens actually won the Stanley Cup against the Sharks in the same year. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty funny and a uh, cool experience. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so last question for you guys. So what are you each looking to accomplish this year, both individually and as a team? Um, as a team, obviously, we want to win the Atlantic District and go on to the tournament. I think that's everyone's goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we set that goal from the start of training camp in August. Um, and then uh, personally, I think just growing as a player, learning, adjusting the speed, and uh, just finding a way to contribute every game. Yeah, it's similar to what Luke said. You know, I think as a team we have that common goal of you know being a successful team, winning games, winning our division, then ultimately moving on to the – uh, NCAA tournament, and, um, and you know, just from a personal standpoint, um, you know, having a like a pretty good freshman year, and then just trying to build off of that, and um, not trying to get too comfortable or complacent, and uh, having a sophomore slump. So, um, just trying to stay motivated, stay on top of things, and then uh, you know, if everyone's doing that, I think we're gonna have a good chance of uh, meeting our team goal as well. Definitely. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me. Um, we hope you have a great season and wish you the best of luck, and we'll uh, talk to you later. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yep, have a good one. Hello, everybody. Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see... What you guys got out there, I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it.
We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Of course, Mitch's challenge. Big game this past weekend. It was Mars hosting Pine Richland up at the Barrel Ice Complex in Warrendale. The Pine Richland student section. Oh boy, did somebody shoot up the power rankings. I thought they were going to collapse the bleachers. They had more kids for the practice, the game, the, the just prior to the game, there was a practice on the ice and there was a full student section for at least 15 to 20 minutes. And then they just kept coming and there were more of them and more of them and more of them showed up for this game. And I will tell you what, they brought it. It was a great environment, great high school hockey. It's what we're striving to bring. I would, luck, lucky to say right now, I would put them top three, even based off of what I've seen on Twitter from some of the student sections. you got a lot to deal with there. Um, now, I told you don't get, out, don't get thrown out. Don't do anything rowdy. Don't do anything crazy. They didn't do anything like that. But I never had to have the announcers say, please, there are no, there's no heckling, no taunting, nothing more than once, and definitely not before the teams even came out, which is the case at Barrel. So you knew what was up. You knew it was a great game. Glad to get out there. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. We're going to do our regular PIHL coverage right now. We're going to start, of course, in single A with that drop-in that I took up at Brady's Run, Blackhawk hosting Deer Lakes. Blackhawk was able to come away with a 6-2 victory up at Brady's run. Tom Ford had two goals, and Jake Schneider had a couple uh, goals himself. So it was a nice game up there. Good to get up the environment at Brady's run. I love that rink. It's an old-school rink. A lot of guys may give it a little bit of crap because it's one of those little more rinky-dink type places, but definitely was a great environment. Battle for West Banco. Wheeling Catholic defeating Wheeling Park 7-2. Uh, Chase Edgerton, of course, I believe that is Luke's brother. Two goals, two assists, four points for them this weekend. Three goals by Kyle Newmeyer, And Wheeling Catholic is able to hold off the Patriots for a 7-2 victory. We head over to Belmont, where West Allegheny and Freeport matched up. 12-1 was the final West Allegheny in there. Kellen Almaty. Three goals, two assists, five points to pace the West Allegheny Indians. Shane Nolan, two goals, two assists. Two goals and an assist for Tyler Howcroft. Nick Bandy, two more goals on the on the year for him. Four assists for Jake Giorgio and two goals for Bradley Rinoek in that victory up at Belmont. Next game was six games on Monday. It was a uh, big contest to, to open things up. Shar Valley, Wheeling Park, Wheeling Park walking away. 4-2 victory. Wheeling Park able to get three goals from Garrett Guzlick and a 29-save performance from Dorothy Romanek in the win. Second game was South Fayette at South Park. I'm oh, sorry, that was South Park at South Fayette. South Fayette scoring, getting a goal in the last second from Jack Evanish to tie things up and then able to take it in a shootout. Ed Major was in the rink for that matchup. Big game there. Congratulations. Uh, we gave, he presented 
Bruce Hardman with his Goaltender of the Month award t-shirt and everything that he needed. Once again, congratulations, Bruce. Somebody's got to be our Goaltender of the Month the next month, so be the best out there. We'll try to take care of you. Kirk Nevin Arena, I was in the rink in a drop-in mode there, and it was a wild one. Greensburg-Salem, Indiana facing off. 7-6 uh, final for Greensburg-Salem. That was insane. Indiana held a 6-4 lead with 10 minutes remaining in the third. Salem got two goals late and scored the game winner, 245 in overtime. Brendan Linderman with four goals in this contest, including the game winner. Then we head over to the West Banco Arena, TJ, hosting Wheeling Catholic. And TJ will take this one 8-4. William O'Brien, two goals, two assists on the day to pace the Jaguars. Two goals for Clay Slider to get the win to in the loss for Wheeling Catholic. Then we are looking at Blackhawk Montour. Montour looking to remain undefeated. Would be able to get a hat trick for the Cougars. It was not enough as it was an 8-4 final for Montour. For Montour, of course, three goals and assists from Michael Felsing. Ethan Diffendahl with two goals and one assist for the Spartans. Moving along, getting into the final game at Frozen Pond Arena, North Hills defeating Deer Lakes 11 to nothing. In this one, it, of course, all North Hills. We had hat trick from Ian Keller, three goals, three assists. Three goals, two assists from Liam O'Neill. Two goals from Zachary Miller. And that is a big game in the, in the shutout for Ethan Isley for North Hills. Final day of was last night, three games on tap. In those three games, we had Freeport and Fox Chapel. Of course, I was in the ring for that. Great to get out to Alpha and check out the action at the Alpha Ice Complex. Reed Troutman got out ahead. There were three lead changes in this game. Fox Chapel would take a 1-0 lead. Freeport was in 1-1. DeSanti would get a goal for Freeport, make it 2-1. Fox Chapel would get one from Zamowski to tie things up. Freeport would take the lead. Fox Chapel would tie it. Fox Chapel would take the lead. Freeport would tie it. Freeport took the lead. Two-goal lead. Fox Chapel tried to come back and Slade all put it away at the end of the game. 7-5 to five was your final from Alpha. And then you move along. Bishop McCourt, Westmont Hilltop. We were talking about the Battle of West Banco Arena. Well, now we're going over to the, the War Memorial in Johnstown. Of course, home of Slapshot. And Bishop McCourt would get an early goal from Cameron Bunn, but Westmont Hilltop would just move along and make things work for them. Scoring in the third period, Bishop McCourt held a 4-3 lead going in. Westmont Hilltop put three straight goals out in route to a 6-4 victory over Bishop McCourt. And McCourt would get two goals from Masevi Kurlovic, and, of course, Westmont Hilltop. Two goals, two assists from Corbin Ragno. Gabriel Kosher Granslat will get two goals for the Hilltoppers. Final game of the week. Norwin, five. Kiski area, nothing. Center Ice Arena is where this took place. And, of course, there was a couple goals. It was scored by Norwin, Daniel Good, Jacob Daly, Mason Pivernick, Keegan Murray, Logan Connolly would get the goals for the Knights. And... 
David Miscambell would get a shutout in that contest. Of course, your standings coming out of the final of this week. In the north, Montour leads 14 points, a four-point lead over the Meadville Bulldogs right now. West Allegheny tied with Meadville for second with 10 points at five and one. North Hills, four and three, puts you in fourth place. Two-way tie for fifth. Swickley Academy and Freeport with six points apiece. In the southeast, Norwin, still the toast of the town. 12 points out ahead, six and one. Westmont Hilltop on their tail at eight points. Indiana right behind them at seven. Then you got Bishop McCourt with six. South Fayette, you got 12 points leading the Southwest. Uh, that's a four-point lead on second place. TJ, who's played one last game at four and one. South Park, seventh, seven points, puts you in third place. And then the two wheeling teams and Chartiers Valley have one, have two points apiece and are tied for fourth. St your statistics going out of this of this week, leading Class A continuously right now, but. Losing ground, Nick France, 20 goals, 9 assists. I will see him on Thursday. Uh, Michael Felsing in second place with 22 points. Richard Froelich with Montour, 21 points. Felsing, 12 goals, 10 assists. Froelich, 8 goals, 13 assists. Hadukovic, 16 goals, 3 assists. Puts you in fourth place. And then in fifth place, it is Brendan Leach of Meadville, 5 goals, 13 assists. In net, your leader after this week is still Bruce Hardman with a 969 save percentage. Set Sean Rechtenwald, you are right behind him with a 959 of South Park. Jordan McCurdy of Meadville, you're split in time, but you're getting you're at the 957. Logan Marnick, a 948, and Corey McMunn of Kiski, you have a 933 with only one game in. Shane Paremba, you are also in there. Couple splits in there, but that's okay. Luke Repepi, uh, the only other bona fide starter in the list at 920. Ethan Isley's a little bit behind him at 916. Class Double A, and it was a nice week for the Double A team. And we're going to start on Thursday. We had a couple really big contests on Thursday. Charlotte Shaler and Armstrong. Armstrong getting into the win column, 4 2 over Shaler at the Belmont Ice Complex. Of course, Shaler getting a goal from Dalton Frankert. Armstrong was it would able to ring off four of the next five. Noah Oliver, Spencer Wood, Maddox Forg, and Ethan Prug. Adam Baginski was able to get a uh, goal for Shaler in between them. Ryan Bowser in the win had 29 of 31 saves. Final game, of course, in Double A that this week was Pine Richland Mars at the Barrel Ice Complex. I was in the rink for that game. We look at that one. Reamer would open things up for Mars. Phipps would get a goal for Pine Richland. Re uh, Voigt would get a goal to give Pine Richland the 2-1 lead. And then Stutt came alive, got a goal for Pine Richland. Mars came back. Mars gets a goal from Croc. And then Pine Richland was able to put them away as Carnival would get a goal late. And then Kiefer tried to cut it down to 4-3, and that's where we ended Um very good game up there. Congratulations to uh, Dan Stoffer, 24-27 in the win. Lindsey Scott getting the, getting the start for Mars. I'm not sure what's going on with Daniel Mitchell. He is not in. Uh, he did not play this week. He did not play in the game afterwards. So we'll, we'll see what's going on there. Um, moving along, 
We're going to move to Monday. Four games on the docket on Monday. First game, Pine Richland was able to move along very well. 8 nothing win over Craker Valley for the Rams. Richard Wilde, a hat trick and an assist. Jordan Rosenbaum had three assists in the contest. Daniel Stauffer and James Saber split time. Only six shots for the Quakers. Uh, Philip Gagne stopped 45 of 53 for the Quakers. The next game was kind of a little bit of a situation attached to it. Um, Anthony Scarpino was hit into the boards, and by all accounts, we have no details on it, so we're not going to elaborate on what's going on. But by the room, the things that we heard, he was sent. He was life flighted to Children's Hospital. Uh, best wishes to Anthony Scarpino from all of us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, and we ho we hope you get a full recovery out of this. So we are all rooting for you here. Um, the game, Penn Trafford was able to win five to three. Penn Trafford received goals from Hughes, Pozbiak, McKenzie, Cyber, and an empty netter from Leslie. Uh, Mason Smith got his first start and a thirteen, a seven. Stop 17 of 20 in the victory. Um, we're going to move along now to the next contest. And it was Franklin Regional Baldwin at Ice Castle. Baldwin would walk away with a 4-0 victory in this one. And on goals by Zmuda, Trimber, Zmuda again, and Keith Reed Jr. On the power play, that gave them a victory of 4-0 and Cole Shannon, 25 saves in the victory for those Highlanders. Mars moved along, got back into the win column against Moon. Um, Heitla would get a goal for Moon to start opening things up. Uh, Waslin tied things up late in the first period, no score to second. Uh, Moon would get another goal from Pawak to take the lead at about 13-minute mark of the third period. Then Mars tied things up late on a goal from Braden Hanna. Uh, Mars was able to win in a shootout, and in this game, Conisay got stopped 45 of 47, and Lindsey Scott once again got another start. Uh, I believe Daniel Mitchell was dressed for this one. 21 of 23 for Lindsey Scott um, in the win for Mars, stopped all three shots in the victory. Moving on, and that is it for Double A standings after. This contest, Pine Richland of the North and West up 7-0 and over Mars, 14 points. Mars is 12 points. Moon, you're in third place with 9 points at 4-2. and two. Shaler, you're holding on to that third spot with 5 points at 1-2. and two. In the South and East, Greater Latrobe, talk of the town. 5-1, 10 points, tied with Upper St. Clair, also a at 10 points with a 4-0-0-2 record. Hempfield, you're in third place. 4-2. Baldwin and Franklin Regional tied at 3-3 three three with 7 points apiece. Sorry, 3-3-0-1 three, three, oh each with 7 points. Standings of the statistical variety. Leading the way is David Devin Rorick. 10 goals, 6 assists with 16 points. Put you in the lead in AA. Grit Jackson Croc. Of Mars, you're in second place, 15 points, 9 goals, 6 assists. 
Jared Eggert of Pine Richland. Four goals, 11 assists, puts you in a tie with Kroc for second. Justin Adamski of Hampton, five goals, nine assists, 14 points. There is a five-way tie for fourth place right now between Adamski, Stutt, Wild of Pine Richland, Gregory Ferry of Latrobe, and Benjamin Leslie of Pentrafford. In net, we got a couple goalies and away. James Saber of Pine Richland, of course, got those couple of five minutes, didn't give up a single goal, so he's going to naturally lead it. Daniel Mitchell missed the last weekend's worth of games, but still maintains the talk, the toast of the town. 946 save percentage. Daniel Stauffer, 7 and 0, 929 save percentage. Luke Conisay, 926. Gregory Irons and Gage Handwork splitting up time in Greater Latrobe, 914 and 910. Noah Wiggins of Quaker Valley, one game played, 19 minutes. Darren Rezmizic of Shaler, 909 save percentage. Moving along to the Triple A now. We had five games in Triple A to talk about. Internet's being slow, guys. I apologize. I don't understand it half the time, but hey, it is what it is, right? First game came from last Thursday. Peters heads up 79 to Cathedral Prep at the Mercyhurst Ice Center. Peters walked out and back down 79 with a 6-3 victory. The Indians received two goals from Mark Lehman and an assist from that gentleman. And Tori Schwartz also two goals and an assist. Ryan Luppy had a goal and two assists in the victory. Alex Wilbert stopped 27 of 30. In the win, Brock Sharbaugh only played three minutes and 51 seconds, made two made two saves in that contest. Moving along to Thursday now, sorry, to Tuesday, Butler and Cannon Mack, Cannon McMillan, the 7-0 victory over Butler. Uh, we had a big, big night from Johnny McDonald, five assists for the Big Macs. Uh, two goals and an assist from Logan Ford. Tyler Rogers had a goal, so did Nick Price and Blake Stanton, Logan Cuss, and Daniel Carver. Big, big game for Cannon Mack there. And Mario Efrati had a shutout also. Second game from the night came from the Alpha Ice Complex, me in the rink, of course. It was Seneca Valley. It was Central Catholic, and it was a 3-1 to one victory for Seneca Valley over Central Catholic. Goals from Marshall Meyer, Austin Albert, and Ryan Russell. If you had a set of initials that matched, you got a goal in this game for the Seneca Valley Raiders. In goal, it was Aiden Campbell, 31 of 32. For that one, Nor Norbert McDermott was able to stop 30 of 33 for the Central Catholic Vikings. And in the weirdest part of this entire thing... There is no update from the Peters Township Mount Lebanon game that was in progress at the Prince Cape Arena at South Point. 0-0, zero, zero, no answer, and no response on either of the Twitters from these two schools, which is unheard of because these are two of the naturally more intense and like active accounts that we see, so... I hope everything's all right, guys. Um, hope to bring you back in. And I do apologize that we didn't have uh, 
Matt Geica in the rink for you guys this week. Unfortunately, he uh, fell ill and wasn't able to fulfill his duties, which is fine. It happens from time to time. Standings minus that game looking like this. North Allegheny leading the way. It is at 5-1 with 10 points. They're tied with Seneca Valley at 5-2. and two. Uh, Bethel Park and Peters, of course, tied in third place with eight points, four and one Bethel Park, four and two Peters Township. Of course, we're waiting to see what happens with that other game from Peters. Um, Central Catholic right behind them with seven points, Lebanon right behind them, which could, if Lebanon won that game, catapult above Peters into second place, into third place. So a little bit going on there. We don't even know what the, uh, what the standings look like right now, but that's what I have and that's what I'm going with. And we are now looking at statistics. And J.C. Bell, you're leading the way. 11 points for Bethel Park. Anthos in an incomplete game at 10 points, but you would temporarily in second, maybe first if you had a good game. Johnny McDonald, five assists, gave you nine points and ties you for third with Anthony Perdue and Ryan Luppy. In net, your leader going into the end of the week, Aiden Campbell of Seneca Valley. Five wins, five goals against, one shutout, a 958 save percentage. Richard Carpondi, you're in second with a 957, only one thousandth of a point behind. Matt Beamsterbauer from Mount Lebanon, you've only played 74 minutes, but you got a 954 in those 74 minutes. Connor Strobel of Butler, you have a 938. And Nicholas Goimond, a 909. We're going to look division number two now. And we are talking about Morgantown knock. First game on Thursday. Only game on Thursday. Carter Klein opened up the scoring. Reese Snyder right behind him. Chris Miller was able to get a goal in the second period to get knock on the board. Then it was all knock. Knock. Jason Golab. Morgantown got one from Braden Phillips. Lance Cotton got one to tie things up once again. And Camden Jackson at 5 1551 with a minute nine left, was able to score on a power play to give Nock a 4-3 victory. In goal, it was Joel Sandrowski, 19 saves on 22 shots. Sidney Smith, 26 saves on 30 shots for Motown. Go moving along to Monday, Nock hosting Trinity up at the Frozen Pond Arena. Game started out pretty simple. Alexander Cotton gave Nock a 1-0 lead. Kayla Miller followed him up shortly thereafter. Corey Blommel gave Trinity a 2-1 deficit. Then Nock regained their two-goal lead when Price McDonald scored an even-strength goal. Ryan Tremel scored for Trinity later in the third period, but it wasn't enough as Lucas Henschel stopped 24 of 26 in the victory for the Nock Knights. Move to the next game. It was Central Valley and Burl. Burl just exploding and completing dominance over Central Valley this week. Burl received three goals from Dylan Zalonka, two goals and an assist from Logan Schopp. Nathan Smith had a goal. Sopko had three assists en route to the 7-1 victory. Andrew Burkett stopped 20 of 21 in the win for the Burl Bucks. And then, of course, on Tuesday night, two games were contested. And they were at, one was at the Ice Mine, Connellsville, 2-10. Bishop Canavan, 2. 
Connellsville would receive two goals and four assists from Gregory Hench, two goals and two assists from Michael McKintrick. Ryan Brown, a goal and, five, and four assists to give him five points on the day. A goal and two assists from Milan Diffenbaugh there. For Bishop Canavan, Evan Sarakowski and Jason Molesky scored. Sebastian Skarzenski stopped 18 of 20 in the victory for the Falcons. Final game on the docket. Ringgold 9, McDowell 2 at the Mercyhurst Ice Center. Ringgold got two goals and two assists from Nathan Todd. A goal and three assists from Bradley Budos. Two goals and an assist from Justin Day. A goal and two, and two assists from Zach Kalinowski. En route to the victory, Ringgold got a start from Evan Cook. 16, sorry, 14 saves in 16 opportunities. Coming out of this week, Division 2 looks like this. Burl, talk of the town, leads by four points over Ringgold with 14 points. Ringgold tied with Central Valley and Connellsville with 10 points apiece. That puts you th second through fourth. Tied for fifth is Neshanik and Carrick, four and two each. Very, very tight at the top of the Division Two standings. Anybody's ball game, even though Burl has a nice little lead, anybody can win this one. Standings in statistics. Leading the way right now is Dylan Zalonka. 13 goals, 13 assists, 26 points. Leading his teammate, Tyler Stewart, by three points. Tyler Stewart, of course, did not play last night. 18 goals, five assists for Stewart on Monday. Ryan Brown, 12 goals, nine assists, puts him in third with 21 points, staying pace with Zalonka and Stewart. Jonas Zopko, five goals, 13 assists, gives you 18 points, puts you in fourth. Gregory Hench, five goals, 11 assists, puts you in fifth with 16, and there are a bunch with 11 or less below them. In, in goal, we've got a couple really big ones. you got Andrew Burkett leading the way for Burrow, a 9.27 save percentage. Sebastian Skarzenski, a 9.25 puts you in second. Carson Burkett of Neshanik, a 9.20 puts you in third. Joseph Forster of Carrick, you're moving along right into this standings at 9.02. And Evan Cook of Ringgold, you're going to round it out with an 896 in fifth place. Thank you all for listening this week. I'm sorry it's a little bit longer than I anticipated it to be. But, you know, you have those really good ones. And I'm not sure if we're going to have a show next week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. If we don't, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. We will talk to you whenever we get back from Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm Brian Mitchell, once again, for... Andrew Wisniewski, Matt Mamros, Gary Heeman, Liam Cavanaugh, all of us at PhD. We wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you in the rink. Take care, guys. <laughs>